Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Serie A fan. We have a winner. As Conte's into a crown with four games to play. There are still prizes to go around. With three teams sitting on 69, is anyone's guess who will be left out? In other news, Rome has a new emperor, clothing status TBD, Parma go down, Empoli come up, and we answer your questions in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to Scudetto, your weekly roundup of top flight Italian football. And first, let me just offer Scudetto's on-air congratulations to Inter on their first Scudetto since 2010. Um, Boaz has been tweeting about it from Scudetto account this week, uh, but just wanted to say it at the top of the podcast. And I actually asked Boaz, our, our resident Milanista, for those of us, those of our listeners that, that don't know, um, to be ready to praise Inter this week. Um he obviously didn't feel up to this task because he went out and found an inter-season ticket holder to interview instead. <laughs> um, so so we'll be listening to that shortly. Plus, Roma are currently playing their second leg against Manchester United in the uh, Europa League semi-final. It's very nearly over and it looks like there's very little chance of them qualifying unless Kenny's actually watching it live. Any, any news, Kenny? Yeah, well, I mean, you'll you'll be seeing that my eyes are pretty much popping out of my head here. Uh, it's great. It's it's been an incredible second half. I mean, absolutely nuts. But uh, yeah, three two as we start recording with five minutes left. So looking unlikely that Roma are going to score three goals in in five minutes. But a very very enjoyable second half. And Roma could have had five in this second half, like Man United did in the first leg. There's no way they would have conceded six with Mourinho at the helm. <laughs> yeah exactly um just makes it all the more frustrating doesn't it anyway yeah we'll be talking about that and definitely um the Mourinho part of it at the very least um and then previewing the big game of the weekend um plus it's the first episode of the month so we'll also be doing ask Scudetto answering your questions but first off the part of the podcast that we've had feedback that people enjoy the most, which is the bit where we don't actually talk about football, but instead drink beers and talk about our personal lives. I'm not really sure what that says about us as football podcasters. <laughs> but um, Boaz, I believe it's your turn to go first. So how's your week going? I'm having a fairly decent week and uh, enjoying the sunshine as it comes out. Good stuff. I promised you a running related story. Last week's story was about people screaming in each other's faces, but this one is actually, I think, is slightly more enjoyable. I, I read on some uh, running forum that it's common practice to say hello to, to kind of wave hello to other runners you see along the road, the road, just because you know you're both struggling and you're both like giving it all, and it's a kind of a a, a way to um, to uh, show respect for one another. And as I said, summer is finally in the air here, so I went running along a beach the other day and um, it was very hot and uh, I kind of had sweat in my eyes the sun was in my eyes as well and I could see this silhouette running towards me and I thought well this is the perfect chance to um, 
pull out this new skill I've just learned about. And I gave him the, the heartiest wave you could give, like super <laughs> over the top. And as I looked up and the man came into focus, it turned out he had a hook for an arm. <laughs> so here's this dude like waving his hand in the air frantically at the guy without a hand. Yeah, good times. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> not sure where to go with that one. What are you drinking, you Mars? Like, what are you drinking? Just... Move on. Yeah. I'm having a Lagunitas IPA as I've had in the past. Very good. Um, any less controversial or touchy topics that you can take us to, Kenny? Well, less controversial, I don't know, but um, we had the Scottish elections today, so I voted in that. That was fun. That's uh, something new that I've done that I haven't done for a year and a half. Uh, I also played tennis this week, but I don't have any humorous humorous tales like the, the ones we get from Tel Aviv, unfortunately. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week all in all. Okay, and uh, beer-wise, Kenny, what have, you, uh, what have you got for us? Yep, beer-wise, I've picked myself up a Barney's beer. It is a, it's an Edinburgh brewery, and it, this one is a Volcano IPA, which is, yeah, a really, 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 really good one. I'm a big fan of, big fan of this one. Stuff. I've actually gone a bit overboard with the uh, fruit theme or fruit-flavoured beer theme that we've had on the podcast. Um, I've got something called a tropic what's it called a tropic pruno and the can is extremely brightly colored like red green um what's this color called like pineapple color like yellow yellow not really yellow kind of like yellowy orange um pineapple anyway it tastes like it's got juice in it it's a cool label yeah i'd say we'd tweet it out but we'll probably forget (laughs) (laughs) um anyway Hopefully uh, that section lived up to its, its <laughs> admirer's expectations. Chaotic expectations. Yeah. Um, probably time to talk about the football. And yeah, as I said, Buzz, you inter- you did an interview uh, for this section, didn't you? Inter-season ticket holder, John, um, which we will listen to in a second. But first, just to get the kind of thoughts of the panel. Like, yeah, how impressive have Inter been this season? How much did they deserve this title Kenny well I don't think there could be any any doubt that they absolutely deserve deserve this uh, as much as you know they've in part run away with it as easily as they have because Juventus and, and Milan have completely fallen away uh, Inter equally at that important time there's this thing about Inter collapsing after after Christmas but in contrast to that uh, Conte had them just winning game after game after game and we've spoken about it I'm not sure if it was uh, sort of pre-recording before um, but certainly notable that so many of those games they've won by by one goal as well and I, I say that not not as a negative it's just the fact that they just find a found a way to, to win and there was a period where they they won 11 games in a row and it was I mean it's just relentless and that's basically what they've been. They've been ruthless, uh, relentless, uh, unstoppable, really. And even though they haven't been absolutely demolishing teams, uh, equally very few teams have been able to to get anything off them since since the turn of the year. Absolutely worthy winners. And I, I have to say as well that i uh, delighted to see Lukaku uh, pick up a, a league winner's medal because... 
he has, I think I said earlier on this season, he's the difference between uh, Inter, you know, being title contenders, I think I was saying then, and not. And he has just been absolutely hands down player of the season so far. We've only got four four games of the league left. Uh, but yeah, really, really happy for him. Yeah. Um, and but as you were saying, or we were talking before about the fact that this probably means more to the players, because although there are kind of uh, experienced and partially decorated players in the squad a lot of them haven't really won the kind of big tight the biggest prizes in football before have they yeah of the squad of um 24 players only 10 have lifted the some sort of trophy before and of those 10 um i'm talking in the ma- in the top five leagues in europe by the way and of those 10 um three of them have lifted just one trophy which in uh, for example ranocchio's case was the coppa italia so uh, definitely this is one of the first major titles. But I wanted to stop you there and just ask you guys if you can tell me who is the player who has won most major trophies in that Inter squad. Perisic. Incorrect. He's not even second. Kenny? <laughs> oh. Ashley Young. Uh, Ashley, Ashley Young's a good guess. It's not Ashley Young. Is he second? Ashley Young is uh, far from second. Even worse than, uh, <laughs> than wow. Perisic. Okay. Well, hopefully our listeners can do a bit better. Do you want to put us out of our misery? Uh, Vidal, who has uh, 15 oh, titles course. to his name. Uh, closely, f- Well, not not even that closely followed by Sanchez, who has nine. And then Kolarov with eight. And Perisic, who you mentioned, with seven. Uh, so, yeah, a fairly inexperienced side. Even players who are generally uh, quite far along in their careers in that team, who if this is the first time they lift a the trophy. For example, the keeper Handanovic, who John mentions in the interview, who is one of the clear veterans and has never won a trophy. But in general, uh, I think this is further testament to Antonio Conte and his uh, general-like uh, demeanor and the way he runs his team like a close-knit uh, unit. And to give further credit to Conte, his uh, points per game average is the third highest in Inter's uh, history, just behind Trapattoni from 1988 and Mancini in 2006. So clearly he's been uh, amassing the points with uh, incredible consistency. And uh, Kenny mentioned that run of 11 games, but that was also anticipated by another run of nine wins in a row. Obviously Inter blew everyone out of the water and they they just had an extra gear. And the last thing I just wanted to touch upon is that um, it's super important that Inter don't repeat the same mistakes they made 10 years ago when they won with Jose Mourinho, where they renewed the contracts of players that were in the twilight of their career, but had given so much to the club. And so as some sort of um, credit, they were given contract extensions. And also the whole club was, the the whole signing policy was completely off the boil. I think they sold Mario Balotelli, was the only player they got rid of at the end of that year. So um, a lot of lessons to be learned from 10 years ago. And it's, it's kind of fitting to be speaking about 10 years ago when uh, Jose Mourinho is now in the league. Absolutely. And we'll get to that just shortly but first let's uh, listen to your interview with John Pers. It is a great honor to welcome John Traverso, friend of the pod and diehard Inter fan. Um, we've been meaning to talk to him for a while and obviously with Inter finally clinching the title it made sense to book this conversation now so welcome on board John, how's it going? All good, hi guys. Um, first of all obviously congratulations, uh, you've waited a long time but I guess it was kind of obvious that Inter were going to win this title for the past few weeks uh it's a shame you couldn't be there in person but how does this title compare to past titles and how does it feel in general definitely different 
last title was Coppa Italia 2010-2011, which I wasn't I was unable to attend, unfortunately. But uh, different celebrations. We'll have to wait for the real celebrations when uh, the restrictions are, are over. But it's a good feeling. It's finally, finally, we're back on top of the league. And uh, finally, someone that is not Juventus. Yeah. Inter was the second chance round. Napoli had a few goals. Rome, Milan. After nine years, finally the supremacy of Juventus has finished. It's been a season of several narratives and many heroes on and off the field, I guess. I'm just off the top of my head. Conte, Lukaku, Barella, even Eriksen. Who has been the biggest story for you and who has been the person that you feel is most uh, associated with this victory? You said well. Many heroes means that the team in itself did a great job. Antonio Conte definitely needs a lot of credit as Inter never had this consistency. And this was the main factor that did well for, for, for the team. And uh, it's the main difference with, uh, with the rivals, uh, continuity. Has uh, Antonio Conte won you over finally? Mm, not finally. Let's say that the poor appearance in the Champions League needs to be improved next year. And do, you, and do you think he'll be around next year? Yeah, he's just playing his usual game. It's like the cat. And is there any other player that you, you feel should be highlighted for this season? Well, Hakimi was the first season of Hakimi. Hakimi is definitely a real train on, on the wing. He was able to give a lot of support to, to the attack. And uh, he was a great surprise. Barella did a great season last year, but this, this season he, he actually exploded. Lukaku and uh, Lautaro are a great uh, couple. Who else? Ericsson. Ericsson uh, finally found his, his place in the team and uh, has played a very, very good games recently. We spoke a lot about Ericsson in the early part of the season on the podcast. And uh, obviously, Kenny and uh, Oscar are also fans of Tottenham. So they were big fans of Ericsson as a player and they didn't understand why it wasn't working. But uh, obviously, there was a mental switch for him. And also, I guess, Conte kind of find a way to insert him into the tactics. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, Ericsson was more or less to a dead end with, with all the situation of uh, the COVID. I think he was the new buy in 2021 and Conte had to find uh, a place for him and uh, it worked out well. And as a side note, this was also kind of a, a victory for the, let's call them the second lines, Darmian, D'Ambrosio. Young, D'Ambrosio, players that maybe didn't feature in every game, but when they did, you knew they, you could count on them. Darmian got a few goals as well. Do you think that's down to Antonio Conte as well? Yeah, he, everyone's part of the, of, of the team, so he made, he made the most of it, of, as you said, of uh, Darmian, but also at the beginning of the season, uh, Gagliardini, which... Uh, Played, made a lot of appearances. I was a bit surprised not seeing recently Vecino or some other players, but even the same Ranocchia was uh, <laughs> able to play a few games and uh, wasn't a disappointment. 
How long has Renault been at Inter for? Was he there in 2010? I think he arrived... No, he arrived uh, the season after. So he arrived with, um, with Benitez. And uh, I think he won the Italian Cup. So even Frogman has a championship now. Yeah, finally. Amazing. <laughs> he can retire now. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, next season. The calendar was announced today. And who do you think would be the ideal reinforcement for you? Both in terms of position, but also if there is any players that you'd love to see in the Nerazzurri shirt. Definitely after seeing Akimi, we need uh, another wing because Perisic is a very offensive player. Darmian is a very offensive. So maybe there might be around a player that can be a bit more uh, complete. Def- we, need, we need to start looking for a, for a goalkeeper. Samir has been great, and but... Time is passing by for him. I think maybe Inter should do something like uh, like Juventus did in the last few years when they put uh, Chesney next to Buffon. Uh, so next season, I think they should really find a good goalkeeper to, to put next to Samir and uh, point all on, uh, on the future goalkeeper. A wing and uh, someone up front. They would actually need someone up front. But unfortunately, with, uh, with the economy situation, I'm not too sure what will happen. I think it's going to be a very low-profile uh, campaign. That brings me on nicely to my next question. What is your feeling towards uh, Suning and more specifically towards their uh, reported financial trouble and how that may affect the team? Well, Suning has done a great job since uh, Tohir has left. Apart from... Uh, Uphill start when they bought uh, João Mario and uh, the few Gabi Gol. Those were two huge mistakes, but uh, they seem to have learned quickly where where to with the areas which needed uh, replacements. And everything started ticking when uh, when they hired Marotta. So I think leaving uh, leaving the de- dealing with uh, with the squad with Marotta has been a, the great decision. Money-wise, I'm not too sure what's happening because it's a general situation with all, all the European clubs, but especially Italian, as Italy is well known that Italian clubs haven't got uh, the stadium, property stadium, apart from Juventus. They need to find the finances elsewhere. They've uh, expanded the brand with uh, their unique advertising. and. Uh, What can I say? Forza Inter. I guess since I have you on, I have to ask you about that um, Inter third kit, the multicolored one. Do you love it? Do you hate it? The new one for 21-22? Yeah, the one that was announced a few weeks ago. I think it's the fourth kit and uh, they're going to use it as a pajama. (laughs) A final question from us before we let you go. Just a few days ago... It was announced that Jose Mourinho will be managing Roma from next season. Um, what are your feelings about this news? And I guess, um, how do you feel about Mu returning to Italy? I'm happy for Mourinho until it'll be Inter versus Roma or vice versa, where Antonio Conte and Mourinho will have their usual fight. It'll go back to the old days. And uh, we'll see how the Inter fans will react because... Uh, Everyone knows Mourinho. He's always got good words for his old teams, but you never know with him. So things could uh, could definitely change because he hasn't 
got a team like Spurs, Manchester United or Inter, um, Roma is really struggling. They have to renew the team. They've got a few players which you'll uh, definitely work on, but there are others which needs to be needs to be bought. And we know that Mourinho has always got a nice uh, list of requests. And uh, do you think he'll do well? Well, I always hope that Mourinho does well. I hope he doesn't do better than Inter, but uh, I <laughs> hope he does well. And it's gonna, as you said, it's going to be real strange to see him in the opposing dugout at San Siro. Yeah, it's strange, but I think it's strange for in any situation when you got Pirlo coming to San Siro, when you had the Inzaghi or people like that. It's when it's history. It's uh, it's always nice to see these characters uh, that they're still around. But uh, once the game starts, you just look at uh, at your plate. Well. Thank you very much for coming on, John. It was a great pleasure. And maybe we can have you on at the beginning of next season to discuss whoever Inter buy and whatever the situation will be. And I guess also the Azzurri. Definitely, definitely. If you want to talk about Wales as well, I'll be supporting <laughs> Wales as uh, I'm also a Welsh fan. And, uh, Got to, had to get that in there. Yeah. Thanks, John. Ciao. Ciao, ragazzi. E forza Inter. Amala. Uh, great to hear from John there. Um, some some really interesting points and, and insight. Um, and just to pick up on on what he was saying about Mourinho at the end there is a, is a pretty pretty good segue, isn't it, Kenny? Because he actually kind of echoed the comments of uh, Antonio Conte when he was kind of ambushed with the news uh, on air. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, I think it echoed, you know, everyone's uh, everyone's response. Everyone was kind of. <laughs> It just came out of the the blue, and I know that there are certain Roma bloggers as well who we we follow on Twitter who basically their response was the same as well. So like no one knew uh, this was coming. But as you as you sort of uh, alluded to there, uh, it's probably a good a good opportunity to give a quick uh, honourable mention to to Conte for his response because. He was being interviewed by a a program called Le Iene in in Italy. I think known for for playing pranks on people, and they actually showed him. You know, as the news was coming through, they showed him. They were like, "Conte, what do you think about this? What do you think about this news from from Roma?" And he kind of looks at the looks at the screen and goes, "Mourinho to Roma, they got him." And he and then he like <laughs> does a big smile as if he thinks that it's like a, this massive prank. And then it dawns pumped. on him, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it dawns on him that it's actually real, and and to be honest, he handles that very well as well because there's obviously this history of beef between them, uh, and he's like basically said um, they they sorted all of that out uh, some some time ago, um, and it's like great news for Italian football, and that he wishes him all the best except for in games against Inter. So um, yeah, yeah, that was the bit that matched uh, John's answer. Yeah, but very funny. You can just see that in the video reaction that he doesn't quite believe the reporter at first. Uh, def- definitely worth checking out. So yeah, what, what, what's our kind of overall reaction to this? Obviously, I'd been kind of uh, advocating for Mourinho to come to Serie A ever since <laughs> he, um, well, even before he'd been sacked by Tottenham. I have to say, I think it's Roma are making a big mistake. But um, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you guys make of it, uh, Baz? So first of all, I, I think you mentioned. Mourinho coming to Italy in the last or penultimate episode so 
if anyone's to blame, it is you. And as our resident uh, <laughs> Roma fan, you're cursed with having Mourinho for at least one or two seasons more after having quote unquote suffered for the past few years. My two, uh, my two clubs are sharing the cost of him now. So uh, <laughs> that's what perfectly for me. I think undoubtedly from a marketing perspective, this is uh, quite a coup for uh, Roma. Also, I think this is something that has been mentioned by Kenny in our personal chats, but if anything, Roma can be criticized for not being defensive enough. And it's possible that this element of Mourinho's play that hasn't changed over the years will benefit the club. But for me, it's a slightly unambitious um, appointment. It's it's ambitious from a balance point of view because you, you pay him the big bucks, but the football is not... Uh, the most exciting and uh, also unfortunately the results on the field do not do not return what money you pay him in my opinion what do you make of that Kenny how how's he gonna fit in at Roma and uh, what's he gonna make of that squad perhaps more importantly yeah well to to touch on two things there Boaz mentioned it being a big mistake I think one very big mistake was uh, the the timing of the sale of the City A TV rights because I reckon uh, that 20% <laughs> that they lost they could uh, probably have got back don't worry they can still sell the documentary rights to Amazon <laughs> yeah absolutely but yeah I mean the the other thing that Boaz was men- uh, mentioned was the the defensive side and I think one of the things that we've spoken about a lot on this podcast uh, in the last month or so has been Roma's goalkeeping problems and no surprise there to see him linked with uh, big big keepers uh, well i think one sort of an emerging one in in italy uh, musso um is one that's been linked but the other one david de gea from from man united we don't know how much of that is paper talk, obviously, but that's an area that needs to be addressed. But the other sort of names that I spotted flying around were also from sort of previous clubs that Mourinho had been at, Spurs and, and United, where it was Eric Dyer, it was Hoiberg, uh, it was Matic. So, I mean, these are... If, if he can get players like that in, it could actually potentially work out. I found that quite funny, like... It's considering he's been blaming all of the problems at Spurs on the players all season. And then the ones you mentioned, I also saw Eric Lamella, who obviously previously played for Roma, was, yeah. was very good for them. Uh, and also Lucas Moura. So you think, so which of the players were not performing? I mean, who else is there in the starting <laughs> 11? Harry Kane? <laughs> well, some, like... there, was, there was the Dele Alli uh, ongoing yeah, saga. Hasn't course. been playing for months. I don't think he can take much blame. Anyway, we we digress. Yeah. So, but but basically, it, it's not a very balanced squad, and, and you'd think that Mourinho would want to have a bit of an overhaul, bring in some some more sort of solidly defensive minded players. Yeah, I think some of those uh, some of those players that Roma have are players that Mourinho has fallen out with before, uh, quite famously. So <laughs> maybe the clear out will take care of itself. Yeah, that's true. It didn't take long for rumors about Mkhitaryan moving away. The- from the club to start surfacing on Twitter, did it? I bet you Chris Smalling and Mkhitaryan are crying in their pillows every night since they heard me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but what does this mean like for Mourinho? Do we think this is kind of his last chance? Uh, obviously, uh, in the interview, Boaz John was saying how Roma are no Spurs, they're no Man United, they're no Inter. There's, uh, there's big, big problems at that club, and it's a different sort of challenge for him, really, isn't it? 
it's a bit harsh to say, but I think it's fair. It's fair that to say that um, football has kind of passed Mourinho by in the past ten years. The memories he left in Italy were of a phenomenal side that won something that no other side in Italy ever achieved, and they did it. Um, I mean, the league title, they they Roma made them sweat for it. But I think overall, you, you can argue that the, it was one of the greatest sides Italy has ever produced. And for me, actually, this him returning to Italy is a little bit um, of him tarnishing his reputation. He did the same in the UK by coming back to the Premier League, having been a legend at uh, Chelsea and returning and probably not delivering as much as was expected. I mean, the same can be said about his time at United. And I think we all felt that his appointment at Spurs was a little bit of a surprise and Spurs are probably a bigger side than Roma are. So... The fact that it's it's a surprise that he was uh, signed by Roma shows that his reputation is kind of falling by the wayside. You touched upon the getting new players in, but it's also kind of uh, fun to note to note that uh, the likes of Zaniolo Zaniolo was 11 years old when um, Mourinho was last in Italy. Ibanez was 12. Kumbala was like 10. So uh, these players don't even know who they probably don't really remember the who Mourinho is and what he's achieved even. So the question is, much like at Spurs, will he be able to get into these players' minds and give them that winning mentality that he once was able to deliver? Yeah, very interesting. I wonder if he'll be um, appointing a, a much younger assistant again. Obviously, had, was it Joao Sacramento, I think was the guy's name, the 30-year-old assistant that was... Well, according to reports in the Gazetta today, he will be bringing his, the, the backroom team that he had with him at Spurs along. So on that basis, that would be a yes. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see as it kind of fleshes out what how much is paper talk. And I guess the same applies to, to all of these uh, sort of fantasy football transfers <laughs> that we're talking about. Just to, to put my tuppence worth in, I, I, I don't really see De Gea being attracted to, with all due respect to Roma, going from being a sort of you know, one of the stars of the Man United team, what, what would be in it for him to, to move to Rome? But, uh, great pizza. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> great weather, great pizza, great city, but arguably that would be uh, that would be a very surprising move if he was to opt for that. Although if De Gea had been playing for uh, Roma and not United in this semi-final, there's a good chance Roma would have edged it. Roma could have like uh, a, a five-year-old ball boy in goal and it would be better than their current <laughs> options. They could have a shark with a freaking laser. It would be better. With a freaking laser. With a freaking laser. Just to parenthesize this uh, section, I think another little nice parallel is that um, Mourinho left 10 years ago and obviously Inter were in top spot and finally they're back into top spot. But something I found quite interesting was that the likes of uh, Verona, Spezia... And uh, Benevento were all in Lega Pro uh, 10 years ago. So they've made the incredible bounce all the way to the top league. But something that uh, will probably interest this pod, but also interest fans of European football at the moment, is that 10 years ago at this stage, uh, Atalanta got relegated from the Serie A. And who would have thought now that they're probably going to qualify for the third year running into the Champions League? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and Mourinho taking charge at the start of next season. um, So... Fonseca very much still in charge at the moment. Um, and although Roma obviously put on kind of a, a good showing in that second half against Man United tonight, they once again dropped silly points at the weekend, lose 2-0 away to Sampdoria. Um, and 
they'll be hosting Crotone on Sunday. And looking ahead to other, the, probably the biggest game of this weekend is Juventus-Milan also on, on that Sunday evening. Uh, Juventus coming into it off the back of a 2-1 win against Udinese. And Milan also besting Benevento 2-0. Uh, so this one is now kind of really pivotal in, in that race for the top four positions. We've got three teams currently on 69 points. Atalanta, Juventus and Milan in second, third, fourth, respectively, with Napoli just behind them on 67. So, yeah, what the the big talking points in this one here? I've got fans have been asking Donnarumma not to play, but what's, what's that all about? So this is something we've purposely skipped over throughout the season because there's so much uncertainty around uh, Donnarumma's uh, new contract that if we were to talk about it, we'd be giving a completely different story every episode. But essentially, this is a saga that has been continuing since January. And apparently, uh, the player has a contract offer from the club that's basically been sitting in his drawer since around January, February. And his agent, Mino Raiola, is obviously agitating for a move, uh, or at the very least, he's asking for 10 to 12 million uh, euros a year, something that Milan as a club are not willing to invest right now. As a result, uh, Donnarumma has been heavily linked to Juve in the past few weeks. And so uh, a group of diehard supporters, with the approval of the club, I should, ask, I should add, demanded a meeting with Donnarumma on the morning of the Benevento match. And they told him that if he did not sign a new contract by the end of this week, they don't want to see him uh, on the pitch against Juventus. Now, this uh, created a whole hoo-ha in the media, of course, but also as a result, Paolo Maldini announced that no contract renewals will be handled until the end of the season and that um, that these meetings between fans and players would be temporarily uh, cancelled. But uh, I was going to say, only in Italy would they have got club approval for that meeting in the first place. I mean, I think there there is... I, I see your point. I think there is some scope for meeting a few club representatives and understanding what the the average man in the stadium feels about things. But when the discussion is bound to be this heated and when uh, the fans have had issues with Donnarumma in the past, I, I just don't think it's a, a wise move to even uh, sanction this meeting. But at the same point, you have to wonder what's going on for these uh, so-called fans' heads to meet one of the players, the best players of the team and throw him off his game. Apparently, he was in tears after this meeting. And um, I mean, if I were Donnarumma, I, I would probably leave. I mean, this is not the first time the fans have uh, been at his throat and I think that uh, ultimately I mean obviously it all it will all depend if Milan qualify for the Champions League but ultimately he he could probably get himself the deal he wants in one of the top clubs around Europe and save himself a lot of uh, hassle and headaches from these uh, lunatics yeah he's only like 22 years old as well it seems crazy I should add on that saga that um, Milan have actually announced that they signed a new keeper today uh, his name is Magnan uh, a French guy from for uh, 15 million euros, and he's uh, very highly rated. While that doesn't necessarily suggest that Donnarumma is leaving, it still shows that Milan aren't going to be left with uh, not with sand in their hands, so to speak. He's been signed from Lille. Yeah, um, good stuff. Um, and in terms of this game, I mean, obviously that could be a big factor if Donnarumma in fact doesn't play. I think there is no doubt that he will be on the pitch. And uh, the, the question is, w- what will his uh, state of mind be like? And God forbid, if he does uh, drop a clanger, what will these uh, 
crazy uh, hooligans do next. Yeah, and obviously, as we said before, this is kind of massive for both sides, um, particularly perhaps for uh, for Juve and, and for Pirlo, who he could be kind of out the door if they lose this one, couldn't he? Can he? I mean, it's very possible he won't be there next season anyway, but this could be the kind of final straw. Yeah, well, I mean, I think... To be honest, he was probably about ten minutes away from from being out of the door at the the weekend before. I would say Cristiano Ronaldo, but more Rodrigo De Paul um, kind of saved his his bacon uh, with a ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous uh, penalty giveaway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is is something that has been discussed over the last sort of month or so, really. Uh, there's been growing rumours, as we've already discussed, about Allegri coming back. Now there appear to be growing rumours about uh, Zidane as well. And the the Gazeta today actually was saying that it looks like they are giving him the chance to kind of win the, the Coppa Italia and guarantee Juve um, Champions League spot next season before making a decision. But certainly... Uh, I mean, Juve have we re- we all remember how it ended with Sarri with the public announcements that he wasn't going anywhere and he was going to be there next season, only for him to be shown the door. So I don't really know how much you, you know faith you can put into those assurances that if they qualify for the Champions League, even if they do that, even if they win uh, Coppa Italia, how long are Juve willing to go without trophies? And how much time are they going to give what is still a very inexperienced manager, not even just at this level, but I mean, like, let's not forget Pirlo was supposed to be taking over the under 23s uh, and or he did for all of a, a matter of days before being elevated into the position of head coach. So I my suspicion would be that Pirlo won't be there uh, next season, regardless of of what happens between now and the, the end of the season. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, I absolutely agree. This is a huge, huge game. Uh, Milan and Juve, probably of the teams fighting for those Champions League spots, have the the most difficult run-ins. And you know, a draw doesn't necessarily uh, put anything to bed. But if either one of these teams comes away with three points, then all of a sudden it starts looking like a very uphill task uh, because one of yeah. these teams is going to likely end up outside of the top five. Uh, this weekend yeah. and there will there'll only be three games to go well yeah that, I mean that was my prediction before obviously I've, I've been saying for a while that I think Juve are going to be the ones to miss out but the, that Napoli draw with Cagliari really did change the complexion of it a little bit didn't it because they're obviously now a couple of points adrift I know they have got the easier run in but they could really be ruining that come the end of the season I commend you both for being so uh, adult about this but I'm going to go out and say that there is a Three clubs on 69 points right now and the child in me <laughs> is very amused um that's it and it's a, it's almost a shame as a milanista i'm happy that uh, napoli dropped points but it's almost a shame that they did because that would have mean meant that there were four clubs on 69 and four 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 different <laughs> the people the in the 16 <laughs> no it needs to be an even number to do a 69 if you ask me but um but uh moving on rapidly Got, obviously got more experience in organizing this sort of thing than me Baz, but um i'll take your word for it uh we should just talk about the copper changes before we move on it's obviously been heavily criticized the idea that only Serie A and Serie B teams would be 
competing in the Copper as of next season. With was it Venezia that that tweeted uh, something along the lines of um, yeah, absolutely amazingly tone deaf. I think was the yeah. tweet, um, which has, has gained a bit of traction. Um, and you have to think <laughs> coming after the Super League proposals to absolutely. To limit the participation to, to only the elite teams, uh, I'm inclined to agree with them. Is, is there any kind of redeeming factors that, that, that make this new structure make sense, Kenny? What do you think? Not for me. No, absolutely no no redeeming factors at all. I totally agree with uh, Venezia and uh, actually the president of Serie D as well uh, released a statement today, I think just a few hours before we started recording, sort of condemning it as well and just saying that it's absolutely the the opposite of the right response and that people should be moving. If you want to take the sort of gold standard for cup competitions, it's the FA Cup. And it's almost like Italy looks at the cup competition and everyone's like, yeah, but no one gets enthused about it. It doesn't have the magic of the FA Cup. So to me, the the reaction to introduce the magic of the FA Cup isn't to just go even further in an extreme away from what the, the FA Cup is, if that's if that's what the gold standard is. But yeah, it is. Just I, I was I went on a a very uh, frustrated rant the the other week just about how football authorities seem to just want to. That their response to this sort of threat of breakaway is let's make our competition more elite. And all that they're doing is just concentrating the money and the power in the hands of the, the already rich and powerful to, to the point where, you know, it, they do get into that state where they are more, they are the bigger draw rather than the tournament itself because they're the ones that get to sign all of all of the stars, etc. And this just seems like another one of those sort of circumstances. It's infuriating as a football fan, as someone who especially as someone who grew up from a country that is a small footballing country that admittedly has had for many years punched above its weight, uh, but supporting smaller clubs like Atalanta, even when they were in in Serie B, I used to go and watch them, and St Mirren here in here in Scotland. It's really infuriating because yeah, these these mega clubs weren't always mega clubs, and uh, and it just seems like all of this is just part feeds into that narrative of just like chasing the the media rights when there there's nothing really wrong with the the sort of television viewing figures of football. It's the most popular sport in the world. Yeah, can't can't find too much to disagree with in in what you've said there, um, Boaz. You you're waving your hand. If you got a counterpoint for us. It's not really a counterpoint. I mean, Kenny touched upon it briefly. I think the Coppa Italia in Italy, um, akin to some other national competitions, just doesn't have the glamour of the the European competitions or the league itself. And I, I don't think that changing the format is necessarily the what will uh, change the situation. And uh, at the same time, we spoke about Jose Mourinho earlier. We spoke about the triplete and suddenly this cup is important when it's part of this uh, glorious one. But um, just to give uh, further back into what Kenny said, the current format of the Coppa Italia already favors um, the teams in the Serie A because where you, when you enter the, co- the competition is determined by uh, your standing in the league. So the likes of Sassuolo, by ending, instead of ending 10th, if they end 8th, they will enter at a later stage and obviously have less games and uh, have a more glamorous tie. So already this cup is... Uh, 
favoring the the so-called big clubs. So really, there's no reason to add further weight on their side of the equation. Yeah, and from my perspective, I don't have a problem with team like with the FA Cup, right? The teams enter later. It, it's more the fact that in, in the Copper, the um, higher seeded team always gets to play at home. And that that takes away those, you know, the best thing about the FA Cup for me is when Spurs go and play against Marine in front of 200 people and their dogs and some old man shouting out of his back garden to put Lucas Moore off. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's glorious. I don't know. What, what, do you, what were you going to say, Kenny? Well, I was just going to say, to offer the perspective of someone who has sort of grown up supporting smaller clubs, it might not have the glamour to uh, to, to clubs, and it undoubtedly doesn't, to clubs like Milan, Juve, Inter, but it offers an opportunity for clubs to kind of do the unthinkable. And talking about glamour, the Europa League seems like it's a, a a disaster if that's where Juventus end up but if you put a team like let's take Monza because they're uh, a, t- a team on the up with exciting players and everyone kind of knows the story that's going on there if you're Monza and you win the Coppa Italia you go into the Europa League if you're a Monza fan and you've like grown up your entire life with them yo-yoing between Serie B and Serie C then I'm sorry but that is like that is incredible for for fans of of those clubs, and that to me is the sort of thing that gets neutrals kind of involved in a, in a game that they would otherwise have no interest in. That is what brings the glamour. And to t- to build on what Boaz was saying and what you were saying there, Oscar, as well. Yeah, the format at the moment doesn't favour that. So. That, for me, is why it doesn't have the glamour. You don't have your smaller teams who can all of a sudden go on a magical European tour that they haven't been on since they, since they were born uh, supporting the club they were. That is the sort of thing that is a fairy tale story. But for Juve, Coppa Italia is very much second prize. For Juve, Europa League is very much second prize. Same goes for Inter. You know, That is why this is so wrong. Um, and just speaking of fairy tale stories, we have to unfortunately say that that Palmer's has come to an end as they were officially relegated this week. But that does mean the fight to stay up between the other clubs kind of intensifies uh, because we now have uh, Benevento, Cagliari, Spezia, even potentially Torino, all in danger. And Fiorentina. Yeah, Fiorentina Fior- aren't safe. Yeah. Fiorentina as well. Also in the best of the rest section we wanted to mention the Lazio Genoa game yeah it was a uh, Lazio went uh, 4-1 up and then uh, Genoa came right back into it and generally there was a lot of chances despite there being seven goals it could have been there could have been five more goals um and we've already mentioned the Napoli Cagliari game um obviously the scoreline 1-1 but um that kind of masked the fact that that was also a very exciting game of football, so worth checking that one out. Um, and also, uh, we should highlight the Empoli official champions as well um, of Serie B. So, looking forward to watching them a bit more next season and learning a bit more about them. But as I'm looking forward to your uh, preview episode, just a two-year absence for Empoli. So, um, and traditionally a fun side to watch. So. I hope they bring some uh, some of that pizzazz up to the Serie A. And 
also in Serie A, another goal fest we should mention, Bologna 3, Fiorentina 3. Um, I think one of those goals maybe gets a, a, an honourable uh, or not. Yeah, I think I think one of those goals might be on Kenny's Kenny's honourable list for later. But Buzz, you want to quickly mention uh, a story? Yeah, David Astori was the Fiorentina captain who died of a apparent uh, heart attack uh, while in a hotel room in Udine the day before uh, Fiorentina were set to play. And um, it's been uh, been four years since his death. But um, the the doctor Giorgio Galanti, who was then head of sports medicine at Florence's Caraggi Hospital. And was the last person to uh, clear a story for prof- to play professional football. He's now been given a one-year suspended sentence for failing to diagnose the player's undetected heart defect. And obviously, um, this could have saved the story's life. It, it has to be said that um, we we often kind of have a joke and criticize uh, Italian football and uh, the various uh, bodies around it. But in the, in the terms of medicine, they are super on it. And even uh, when Kenny and I were very young boys, we'd get very thorough yeah. medical checks. And uh, so for this doctor to have missed uh, an underlying condition is uh, is a huge uh, mistake. And uh, I think it's fair that he's been punished for it. And it's a shame it's taken this long, but this will be some sort of comfort for um, Astoy's uh, family he was left behind. Yeah, or, or at least some some closure, I guess. I did, this We felt that this wasn't... Uh, this was too serious for an honorable or dishonorable mention so it's kind of here in the middle of nowhere yeah no absolutely fair enough uh, uh, thanks thanks for bringing that to our attention um we should just move on to the good week bad week award now i think good week unfortunately or fortunately depending well, on unfortunately well, well depending on your perspective that has to go to inter just because we've been holding off really from giving it to them for so long yeah but Definitely deserved. I can't really think who else we could give it to. The stats speak for themselves, and uh, this amazing run is. Uh, I think we're giving them good week for a whole season, but pretty much. Yeah, I mean, sorry, Milan obsession and all of our other <laughs> Milan Milanista listeners, but it's uh, has to be done. And bad week. I think it's hard to look past the team that's been relegated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is probably the easiest, uh, <laughs> easiest good week, bad week we've ever had to do. Uh, Inter win the league it has to be Inter for for good week. Parma relegated uh, following that one uh, nil defeat against Torino, and yeah, quite obviously a bad week, a bad season, um, capped off by another bad result against uh, another one of their relegation rivals. So. So yeah, an interesting note on this one. Remember, we were talking the, the other week about the that game against Cagliari, where Parma threw away a lead, uh, not just two points, but three points uh, in injury time. And that, I mean, that is effectively why Parma are relegated now, because they mathematically could uh, go level on points with uh, the, the last team. But the last team happens to be Cagliari. And as a result of that victory... Uh, Cagliari have a draw and a victory against Parma, so they would lose anyway on um, the scontro diretto or the the direct matches between them. Head to uh, head. Yeah, head to head. So yeah, I mean, just bad week. Another bad result against a direct rival and resulting in relegation doesn't get much worse than that, really, does it? 
Nope. Okay, so good week into bad week, Palmer. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, let's move on to Ask Udetto. We've been collecting your questions on social media and WhatsApp and other ways. We'll start off with a couple of questions from Josh, who is a Spurs fan who's been taking interest in, in Serie A since um, they've been so involved in the managerial merry-go-round. With uh, I hope uh, I hope Mourinho's appointment doesn't change his mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his first question is, there are rumours of Gasparini to Spurs. Uh, is this a good idea? And would he realistically go? Uh, Kenny, do you want to take that one? Sure, yeah. I mean, I saw this rumour as well, and it appears to be attributed to, to one one journalist. But to me, I don't really think this makes a whole lot of sense, to be honest. Uh, Gasparini is 63 years old. Uh, he's coming to the end of his managerial career. Um, he undoubtedly could do a job, I think, at a big club like like Spurs. But Gasparini spent his entire playing career, his entire managing career in Italy. What's more, Atalanta, the Atalanta board gave him like a huge. I've given him a huge amount of backing over the over the years, not least uh, over the fallout with Papu Gomez. I don't think Gasparini, who is given a lot of control over sort of who stays, really, I guess, uh, rather than who comes in at Atalanta, but who stays and, <laughs> and who goes, I don't think he would put up um, too well with the Levy's famous brinkmanship and sort of selling players from under the manager's nose and not signing who he wanted, finding like a pound shop replacement for them. I, I don't think yeah. the fit what feels would you think right. Of- yeah, I mean, I kind of like to see his brand of football at least at Spurs. I think it would be really exciting. It'd be a sort of throwback to the Pochettino era. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, talking um, about Pochettino, one of the main reservations I have, purely from a personal point of view, is that personally, I don't want Gasp to be to be tarnished by by Levy because if if Pochettino can with with everything that he did for Spurs if he can leave under acrimonious circumstances then absolutely anybody can and to be perfectly frank I kind of want to when when Gasparini does retire in 5 years or however long it is I personally want him to be remembered for the wonderful things that he did at uh, Atalanta internationally I I'm, I'm talking about here rather than being yet another one of Levy's sackings, uh, to be honest. And and he might move on from Atalanta, but I think 
for me, it's just that relationship will never work. Uh, Gasparini is a huge character, and Levy, obviously, you know, it's it's his way or or the highway. So uh, I, for me, it's never yeah. going to work, and I just don't want I just don't want Gasparini's like record to be tarnished. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's harsh but fair assessment, probably. All right, we should answer Josh's other question as well, which. Uh, I think we touched on a little bit earlier in the podcast, but um, Zidane to Juve question mark would would it make sense given that uh, Zidane's obviously got experience dealing with big egos? I think um, on paper, especially given that he played for Juve, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, the question is, does it make sense in the current uh, financial slash COVID climate, whether Juventus can afford his uh, alleged allegedly massive uh, salary demands. Zidane doesn't uh, offer stellar football, but uh, his obviously his man management skills have been incredible. And he's probably been, considering he's won uh, four Champions Leagues in, I mean, three Champions Leagues in four years, it's uh, probably been, he's probably a little bit underrated compared to some of his peers. I mean, I think if, if it were to happen, it would be a really good move. I just don't see it happening, at least not this year. Yeah, I, I wonder though, do you think he would have the skills for this kind of job where you you almost need to instill a new structure? It's not like when you, you went into Real and they were already very drilled and it was more about just kind of motivating this team of superstars. I think maybe Juve is a bigger job than that now. What do you think, Kenny? Yeah, I, I think Juve is a, a rebuild. Uh, it, it does have to be said that, that this isn't just like a, a question out of the, the blue, obviously. It's something that has been reported that Allegri is very much a front runner to take over should Pirlo go uh, and Zidane is also on on the radar uh, but yeah like you said there the the whole job at Juve is about bringing through um the the younger players the younger stars your Deligts your uh your Chiesas your Kulusevskis and you know Bentancur etc etc and we haven't really seen any evidence in that sense. It's almost like a Pirlo situation again. You're employing someone who's done one job and you're trying to get them to do like a totally different job. I mean, when you're a Real Madrid manager, most of your job is is about getting the best out of absolute superstars and you have a job isn't that, uh, or at least it's not going to be that uh, for, for the next manager. It's going, it's going to be nurturing the next generation of superstars, so... Yeah, you almost think if they were going to go the Zidane route, the right time would have been last summer. But anyway, we've probably spoken too much about this question. Um, so let's move on. Sigmund has asked us a couple of things as well. <laughs> um, when do you think Conte's next outburst will come? And when will he fall out with the Inter leadership? I, I guess this should be an again at the yeah, end of that question. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Your guess is as good as ours as to, to when it will happen. At some point over the summer. Yeah, I think at some point over the summer is probably a good answer. Any any advance on that, Buzz? Even Conte can't fall out with them before the end of the season, given that he's just won the title, can he? I'm a massive fan of Conte's uh, up and down uh, mood swings and the fact that uh, he's all smiles right now because he's won the league, but probably in two weeks' time he'll, he'll be pissed off about... Uh, Someone not marking someone on a in a practice game on in his kitchen or something, you know. 
uh, <laughs> I've said it time and time again, but winner mentality. Yeah. Um, and you can take this next one, Baz, because it's why are Milan running out of steam towards the end of the season? We've touched upon it a few times in the in the season, but I think um, throughout the season there have been several injuries to key players. And while the club seemed to have done pretty well for itself during these periods, the, the once the, these injured players came back, they were probably rushed a little bit. And um, and also it's prob it's possible that Milan were playing at the proverbial 110% up until January, and that now they're giving 99%, 95%, and it's just not enough to uh, overcome big opposition. And uh, they've probably run out of steam at the wrong time of the season. Yeah, that's a good answer. Next question comes from Viola Club Israel. I don't know if this one is really for us or for some somebody in his life. It's... Uh, why shouldn't I arrange a one-man drink par drinking party before each match I watch? I mean, from my perspective, no reason why you shouldn't. Yeah, from <laughs> my perspective, you should. Do it. Don't let us stop you. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. A any advance on that, Baz? You have to ask yourself wh where the these other people in the Viola Club are and why they're not joining you for <laughs> a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Baz answers your question with a question. Next one comes from Philip, who says that now that Atalanta are established as properly good, which smaller team should hipsters be getting behind? Is that trademarked? Properly good, TM. Um, <laughs> well, I would I would throw into the equation a small club from Turin called Juventus. Uh, I hear Ooh. they're they're going to get a new a new manager in, and uh, exciting things could could be happening. But, Their current uh, manager is a bit of a hipster as well. Well, that's true. I mean, he owns a vineyard, so. Uh, but on a serious note, Sassuolo, obviously, is the obvious answer. Although Deserbi yeah, we... may be off. Deserbi may be off uh, this summer. There's um, rumors that he could be going to, to Shakhtar Donetsk, I think it was. So that would be a big shame. But for now, Sassuolo. What's the new hipster derby going to be? Is another good question. I would also throw Spezia in the mix solely because they have. Uh... Uh, surprised us with their performances this year and also they've just been bought over by uh, American owners so presumably they will want to invest in players and hopefully their style of play will continue to be as exciting as it has been under Vinny Italian yeah or so Verona looking forward to uh, Sassuolo Spezia or maybe Sassuolo Verona for the, the yeah. new hipster Verona although Juric is uh, said to be off as well so we don't know, yeah. I think, is the answer. We'll, find, we'll <laughs> let you know in August when this league kicks off again. Yeah. Um, and finally, a couple of questions from Milan Obsession. One for us on the, uh, the, new, the new Copper format, saying, do you think that the backlash over the new format is warranted, given that no one cared about the competition before? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we sort of addressed that in, in what we were saying, but the answer to no one caring about it is to reform it in a way that will make more people care about it and not fewer or just get rid of it i think the only the only <laughs> unfair thing is that there isn't the same amount of backlash against the existing coppa so on that basis yes but but um no i don't think it's unfair to to be angry about that competition becoming more elite okay um and milan obsession's final question and our final question is that for eight years Milan has created many alcohol dependencies and ruined livers due to Milan-induced drinking. Do you think that Milan is the reason Boaz always wants a beer with higher alcohol content? Kenny. 
uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a yes. I mean, he's, he, he seems to be a pretty happy-go-lucky guy when he's not speaking about football. So uh, that, that must be what does it. I have to say this question has uh, definitely suffers from a little bit of recency bias because uh, eight years is definitely, it's not been the greatest of eight years, but I distinctly remember myself sitting in the stands even when Milan were a phenomenal side and thinking, why do I care so much? I'm going to give myself a heart attack before I'm 25 if I continue like this. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, and although Boaz does drink my higher percentage beers, I think we, we have remarked on this podcast before that he probably drinks the fewest beers of all of the podcasters. Although we're both Spurs fans, so I'm not sure that actually proves anything. I also, according to my stories, I run sometimes, so maybe that offsets some of it. I'd, I'd just say try supporting St. Mirren, Scotland, Atalanta up until about five years ago. <laughs> now that makes you want to drink. Well, that explains your drinking i suppose and on that note let's move on to the honorable and dishonorable mentions just wanted to give a special honorable to lukaku uh not for his play this season which we've already discussed on the podcast uh but for his response to winning the title and his immediate celebration of getting in the car with his mate hanging his shirt out the window and just driving around the city singing campeones which just fair play. It's exactly what I would do. He was wearing a mask as well, and he was in a car, so social distancing. It goes back to our earlier discussion. He's just not used to winning titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps that is a fair comment. Um, and Kenny, you want to get your dishonourable out of the way early this week? Yeah, and I touched on this. Uh, I touched on this earlier because I just couldn't wait. Um, but it's for for Rodrigo de Paul for that penalty that. He gave away when Udinese were leading one nil against Juve with uh, I think less than less than ten minutes to play or around ten minutes to play. Uh, I think it was a Cristiano Ronaldo free kick, and he just kind of inexplicably stuck his his entire arm out, um, not in front of his face to it's not even to protect himself, but just in a, a sort of like a wing uh, <laughs> position. Uh, just absolutely brainless and for a player who's absolutely fantastic uh, bit of a bit of a shame to see that but like to do that when you're 1-0 up against Juventus and uh, you don't need me to tell you that Udinese don't get many wins against against Juventus so they went on to to lose that game 2-1 yeah that's uh, pretty pretty disgraceful I'll get my dishonorable out of the way uh, while we're on this topic actually and just give one to the Inter fans that gathered in huge crowds with very few masks in the streets to celebrate the victory. I mean, given that the COVID rate's still quite high in that uh, part of the world, I think not not really appropriate. I mean, you can understand that people want to celebrate, but just, you know, get in your car and drive about with your uh, one mate who's in your bubble, like Lukaku. Or throw firecrackers at some guy riding his bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, dishonourable for those people. Um, Boaz, you've got one here. I'm not sure if it's not dishonourable from the way you've worded it, but it's for Moise Kane. <laughs> yeah, Moise Kane um, has surprised many this year, but getting way more playing time for PSG than was expected and scoring quite a lot of goals. I think he's probably going to be one of the big questions for Mancini this summer for the Euro. And uh, But I'm giving him an honourable for his off-the-field antics. Um this Sunday, uh, seemingly out of his own accord, not part of a, some sort of campaign or anything, but him and uh, what looks like his entourage uh, 
headed out to the north of uh, Paris and kind of handed out uh, food and uh, kind of uh, essential goods to homeless people. And uh, obviously he then had to document it on his Instagram, but still it's, uh, it's a really lovely gesture. And it, 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 as I said, it, it seems to be quite spontaneous. So uh, super kudos to him. Yeah, fair play. And back on the pitch, Kenny, uh, we've got one for uh, Rodrigo Palacio. Yeah, this one's for Bologna's Palacio, who became the oldest ever player to score a Serie A hat-trick in that uh, thrilling 3-3 draw at the at the weekend. Uh, he's almost tempted to give him a, a dishonourable straight away afterwards, uh, just for the fact that he absolutely point-blank has been refusing for years to shave off that uh, what can only be described as a nauseating uh, rat tail, asymmetrical <laughs> rat tail. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on that temptation and uh, just just register it as an honourable honourable mention for what is a, a great achievement with a horrible hairstyle. Uh, uh, it's an inclusive inclusive podcast. And we have to say that he uh, he'd only managed one goal before this match this season, and it was towards the beginning of the season. So. He's waited a long time to get this hat trick. Yeah, other hairstyles are available. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wanted to uh, give give an honourable uh, to a Milan player for for Kessie. Yeah, I'm slightly veering into Kenny tor- Kenny territory here with um, goals or or getting very close to the goal itself. But Milan scored a lovely opener against Benevento this uh, weekend. And it came through a nice uh, set of interplay and passes between players. And uh, But something that I really enjoyed about it was that uh, Frank Kessie lets the ball run through his legs, not once, but twice within the move, uh, thus facilitating Kalinoglu's run towards the goal. Yeah, uh, and on that exact point, Kalinoglu features in your goals on the doesn't he, Kenny? Who, yeah. who else has made yeah. the list? Absolutely, yeah. So my goals honourables this week. Uh, so the the theme is uh, just incisive, quick passes followed by absolutely deadly finishes, and the three goals that that uh, sort of followed. Could describe this theme, a lot of goals. Yeah. Well, the, the three goals that particularly followed this theme uh, were Osimhen's opener for for Napoli, Chalonoglu's for for Milan that Boaz just referenced. And uh, Gozens for Atalanta in their game against Sassuolo. Uh, but I also have uh, an honourable on a different theme for, for Luis Alberto. And this theme is just for footballing poetry. Because, I mean, just the grace with which he just placed the ball into the, the top corner from a standing position um, was absolutely wonderful. And that's definitely one to, to go and dig out on, on YouTube. Yeah, if you watch one uh one goal that's just been mentioned on YouTube, probably I would would go with that one. Lovely control for Aussie men's as well, though, and yeah, uh, the, the true, technique um, from Gozens was incredible. And uh, as Boaz mentioned, the Chalonoglu goal was just lovely. Well, check out all four then. Um, I've got one more one more honourable mention as well. Uh, just <laughs> it's kind of strange to be giving this man an honourable given the last few weeks, but uh, it's for Agnelli. Uh, for sending a classy message to Inter Chairman Stephen Zhang. He said, Well done, Stephen. Happy for you and proud of being your loyal opponent on the pitch and friend off the pitch. We'll be back. I mean, Agnelli shouldn't be on the pitch, is my first comment <laughs> to that. But I, I mean, I guess 
guess he can have an honourable. Um, Boaz, you want to wrap this uh, honourable section up with one for a, a young Roma player? Yeah, it's been a week to forget for Roma as a whole. They've uh, had uh, they've been knocked out of the of uh, Europe and they lost six uh, two to uh, United, and then they also lost to Sampdoria two 0 Probably, as I said, a, a week that they'll want to delete out of their history books. But uh, one small shining light in this week was that um, Roma Primavera youngsters Ebrima Darboe made his uh, 14th debut. And the reason why this is uh, an honorable mention for me is because uh, Darboe arrived to Italy from Africa as a migrant child without his parents uh, when he was 14. He left his native Gambia and uh, uh, kind of jumped on uh, one of these... um, boats and also he he was uh subject to a, a lot of uh physical abuse uh while he was in libya so generally not an easy upbringing and for him to arrive to um rome and eventually break into the first side that's just just shy of 20 years old is uh, a real testament to his um to his spirit i suppose and i, I wish him all the best with his career but in, even if this will be his only game it's uh all it's it, massive credit to the guy Absolutely, um, and that's pro- that's the true Serie A fairy tale, really, isn't it? Love to hear those stories. That is all we've got time for this week. If you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you next week. Until then, enjoy the football. La Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del 2008, l'Inter è campione d'Italia, sedicesimo scudetto per la squadra della giornata. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.